0: Uh, but I appreciate everyone coming on. I also appreciate Ellis donating his dime today. Come and talk to us. We actually, uh, he's a former Pike brother. Well, once a brother, always a brother. And mm-hmm. so he's out in California right now doing his thing on real estate. And also he does a lot of community activism and leadership when it comes to engaging with young youth and trying to change the generation, kind of like what we're doing. So I want to start off going down the line and telling us a little bit about yourself, guys. Uh, let's start with uh, Zach real quick. Uh, where you're from, what you're all about, what your future goals are, and we'll go from there.
1: Hey, Zach, do that, man. And then as kind of also what you're working on, also hit me up with uh, or tell me like what you think your superpower is. Like, and I don't mean like I, I wish I could fly, like, like, what do you think you're actually really good at? Kind of what do you think you're best at in regards to just anything? You know, it could be relationships, it could be I'm an influencer, I like numbers, whatever. So give me that as well when you when you talk about yourself.
2: I'm Zach Resendez, born in Washington, army brat, been all over, going to UAB in Birmingham and Alabama right now. And I'm really good with uh, numbers. I guess you could say, I'm really good with math and stuff like that. It just comes easy to me, especially when it comes to things like stocks and understanding trends and patterns and stuff like that. That's what I've been working on lately. And so that's what I've really been trying to focus on and get as a niche for myself and then making that into a really strong stream of income.
1: That's great, man. What year are you?
3: Uh, We're going
2: into my senior year. Who's next?
3: All right, I'll go for it. So I was telling you before, um, I'm from Pensacola, Florida. Came over to south to pursue an exercise science degree, and that's how I met Nick, and uh, I'm also a Pike brother as well. I'm nice. a philanthropy chairman for Ada Kappa Chapter down here. So I've competed in powerlifting and strongman. Uh, as far as my superpower, I think probably I've taken a lot of time like trying to understand people, trying to understand people's psychology and why they make decisions and like, why I make the decisions I make and, and things of that nature.
4: I right, have Popcorn Fern. So my name is Fernando. My hometown is Virginia Beach, Virginia, but right now I live in Pittsburgh, where I've been attending a university about three, four years now, uh, studying biology and environmental sciences. Uh, Right now I've been looking into nonprofit fellowship, but I've been shifting my attention toward AmeriCorps programs. Uh, In terms of quote-unquote superpower, I don't know, probably attention to detail and research i would say for better or worse i fixate fixate on small things and like to make sure that there are contingencies in place
0: it's a great superpower to have not a lot of people
5: have that by the way
0: (laughs) (laughs) definitely the nerd of the operation how about you pat you there
5: i am from the great state of texas next week is actually my seventh uh year anniversary in the united states navy so that's great been active duty the entire time so it's been a little bit of a ride my quote-unquote superpower i believe probably what best fits me is being empathetic i can connect with people on a certain level by just like trying to instill empathy into everybody not necessarily like trying to push my views or their views onto myself, but just like being able to connect with somebody and put your views aside and just kind of understand people on a certain level.
0: That's great. All right. I guess that leaves me. All right. Well, my name is Nicholas Huey, originally from a small town outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Decided to travel down south where I go to school with uh, Malcolm currently at the University of South Alabama, studying finance, goals and ambitions of becoming either a lawyer or an intel officer in the U.S. Army. Uh, My superpower, I'd have to say, is resilience. Uh, it's one thing, a characteristic that I believe has been uh, beat into me uh, throughout the years through many trials and error. But I think that the power to always persevere no matter what the obstacle is and always find an answer.
1: Love it, man. I love it. Those are great. So let me ask you guys this before I jump in and tell you a little bit about myself. And we don't necessarily have to go around the squad here, but as graduates or guys that are about to graduate... You know, kind of entering into the next season or phase of life. Like, I mean, what are what are some of your biggest problems or just things that you're kind of beginning to ask questions about in this next season or next phase? If you bring on a guy like this, uh, what are some things that right now you you, you want to hear more about? I'm i I'm just curious to kind of hear from you guys. Like what are some issues you're facing right now that you're really looking for answers
0: for? Yeah, I guess I'll start it off and then we'll go to the next guy. But I think a common thing for a lot of people my age, I mean all of our ages that are about to age out of school or whatever, continue on to the next life, is what we do next. I think that's a big question, obviously, with, you know, student loan debt or even just like graduating, that's not even guaranteeing you a job. A lot of kids don't realize that until their senior year and they're like, oh, well, what do I do? You know, I don't have a job. I don't have a place to live. Like, what's next? I, I guess that's, for me, a big struggle, but I feel like that's a big struggle for a lot of people coming right out of college.
2: And yeah, so I guess kind of springboarding off of that, kind of facing the same thing, but like on two separate alleys because of the with The uh, one path with the military and trying to figure out what exactly I'm trying to branch between aviation or finance or whatever I can try to stick with or that actually makes the most sense. And then what I'm going to do outside of the military when it comes to a job, where I'm going to be living, if I'm going to have to travel because of the military or because of building businesses outside of the military, things like that. Just figuring out where to focus my energy and how to divvy it up so I don't
1: get torn apart by everything. Yeah, that's good. Anybody else? I know you got a question.
4: Uh, I mean, I guess kind of my dilemma relates to my issue of coming up with something right now in that sometimes uh, the most difficult thing is making a decision when there are so many options available, especially when you have a plan, but it doesn't go the way that you intend or expect it to. Kind of on the end of what Zachary was just saying, kind of when you have so many choices, it's difficult to come to a decision that you can mm. feel comfortable with at the end of the day uh, in terms of not having regrets sometimes. Mm. But something else that I've been uh, thinking about a lot was kind of finances beyond a uh, university. So I've been doing a lot of research on different means of investment right now. Mm. So finances on just how to make money. I mean, even enough just to be comfortable in terms of like passive income is what I've been trying to look at a lot lately. Cool.
1: You can definitely talk about that. That's good. (laughs) Yeah. Nicholas, give me a recap of what you said again.
0: Yeah, for sure. So it's really along the lines of like what's next. And so I think it kind of ties along with everyone else, like whether it be finance, you know, job security. A lot of people ask the question when I graduate is like, Well, I just spent four years of my life preparing for what, Mm -hmm. and so really trying to figure out what that what is.
1: Yeah, that's good, man. It's really good. Costco, man, you got anything? Can you
5: hear me? Yeah. Okay, so uh, basically along the same lines of what everybody else was saying, figuring out what's the next step when you have so many options, especially when no one's like, it's uncharted territory on where you want to go, not being able to have that kind of feedback on, I mean, you can hear everyone's life stories day in and day out, but if they haven't walked the same path that you want to uh, walk into, then it's really hard to judge where you should go next in life. Kind of the same along the lines. Someone just said they went to four years of college and then figured it out. Or their question was, where do I, what do I do next? And what was it all for the last seven years? I mean, I've been told what to do every day. So it's kind of like, do I want to keep that going? It, it offers stability and like, Financial stability, obviously, but is it what I want to do in the long run? So I think this, just the same questions that I think everyone around this age has. But I'd rather ask that question now to myself than ask it five years uh, down the line.
1: I can tell I'm in a a, a, a like-minded group here that all of you guys feel – and this is a really good sign, right? So nobody's over 21, right? Yeah. Everybody's over 21. Who's the oldest in the group? I think it's Pat. Pat, how old are you? 25. Okay, twenty-five. Cool. So twenty-five and under. This is this is this is me too, man. This is how I feel. But I want I want to give you guys some some confidence here. All of the movers and shakers in the world, all the really successful guys, they always feel like they're behind, right? Like they always feel like I'm missing out on something, or I got like I got to take the next step, which just shows that you have ambition and drive for life. But I want to just Kind of give you guys some assurance here. Like you are 45 steps ahead of every other 20 to 25 year old person on the planet. So I I don't say that worrying that you guys are going to stop being ambitious because I know that's not going to be the case. But the biggest thing, man, I think I've learned in this season of life, and I'll get into my story here in a minute, is just like there, you can't put a price tag. And it's almost even hard to map out life. But man, if you have a hunger and a desire for personal development, like to just personally develop yourself and get better in every area, in spirituality, in your finances, in your mental health, like, and you're constantly growing and seeking out advice like this right here, like you guys are so far ahead of everybody else. Like, I mean, think about how many guys right now who have spent four years and like, they're just like they're not really doing anything because they're just banking on the fact that their degree is hopefully going to get them a job and hopefully kind of give them what they want to earn, right? And the reality is, like, they have wasted four years of their life because, and maybe I wouldn't call it a waste, but they're not anywhere different than they were four years ago. Does that make sense? All they have now is a degree that maybe qualifies them for a job, but personally, they're in the same exact place. You know what I mean? Like they just kind of checked off some boxes that they'll qualify for them for something at 23. But you guys are so far ahead because you're committed to your personal development and that's going to take you much, much farther. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Am I am, am I clear on that? No, most definitely. So I'm originally from South Carolina. So I'm an East Coast boy myself, born and raised, but moved out to San Diego, California, January 2nd of 2014. Uh, right out of college, we started a ministry here at San Diego State. It's so a Christian ministry, really a coming kind of nonprofit. Uh, our focus is to really raise up Christian leaders, uh, really helping young guys and girls begin to form a foundation of faith and really trying to figure out how does that influence all areas of our lives? You know, how do we really become the best leaders as possible? Funny thing is, oh man, uh, San Diego State, not sure if you looked it up lately in the news, but it's voted like top party school in the nation. Uh, so, not like a ton of folks really looking to jump on the bandwagon of a Christian ministry when I came out here. But what that did is like, I and, I, and I'm kind of trying to thought through this, my story in light of what you guys are going through. But what I had to do because of that, you know, imagine here's a Southern boy. I can tell you a funny story. You know, I worked with fraternity guys, of course, and one of these fraternity guys, really early on when I was here, you know, back in the East Coast, you still wear like pleated shorts. I don't know if you guys still, maybe that's a thing of the past, but when I was in, you know fraternity world back there people will still wore pleated khakis and so i was still wearing my pleated khaki shorts still wearing my Asics. and my man boldly walked up to me he's like bro what are you wearing <laughs> you know he's like this is not gonna fly here so I had to quickly learn like how to speak the language and I had to figure out what the heck do I need to start wearing but that whole process of being in an environment where in a sense I wasn't welcomed like my faith wasn't welcomed who I was really wasn't welcomed I learned how to figure out the problems people had, and I figured out how to create new solutions for them. And so, you know, as a Christian ministry that nobody wanted to be a part of, what I did, what I had to go begin to kind of, I had to look at it from a new lens and say, okay, I can't do the same thing I did in South Carolina here in San Diego. And so one of the needs that they had was for community. I mean, you're on a college campus, even though you have a lot of friends, it could still be really lonely, right? And so they, they were looking for community. were they they needed a bigger purpose in their life. I mean, I've talked to so many guys. I've been here for I've been here now six years, but I remember like the first two, three years of being in ministry or being out here at San Diego State, and I'd kind of formed a lot of relationships with guys by about their third semester, they would, I wouldn't have to ask them any questions. They would approach me and just tell me because they knew that I was some type of spiritual mentor, hey man, I just want to let you know I'm I'm kind of done with the partying scene. I'm not really sure what's next, but I just want something else. And so I quickly realized there's a need for purpose. There's a need for something more. And I really do believe that our faith, our Christian faith really solves a lot of those problems. And so the thing I wanted to point out from that part of my story is that if you want to be successful, figure out the problems that people have around you, right? And the bigger the problems that you can solve, the more successful you're going to be. Like that's as simple as I can put it. The bigger problems that you're able to solve for the more people, the more successful you're going to be in life. So get really good at listening to people. I mean, one of you guys, I think it was you, Pat, who said, empathy, that's an awesome superpower, you know, to be able to listen to people and figure out what their problems are and then now go figure out how to solve them and use the guys here on this team, use my man Fern to figure out how to efficiently go solve those problems. So that was one of the things I learned early on. I think I'm beginning to, I've taken into my business, uh, moving into real estate is that I just began to look for other problems. What are the problems of my network? You know, for them, it was, how do I build, how do I build and create wealth? So I think that's, the, that's one of the things I'd love to pass on to you guys is the most successful guys are solving the biggest problems. Any questions around that? Any thoughts from you? How, how, maybe how you've seen that in your own life?
0: For sure. I got a quick question, kind of a double question, but how do you build those bonds? I mean, obviously you said that's something that takes, you know, time, nurturing, kind mm-hmm. of cultivating that relationship. obviously as an older guy whereas in like you know someone your own age for them to confide in you is a little more um personal per se Mm -hmm. because a lot of us especially as you know young men we have that toxic masculinity that kind of stops us from reaching out to one of our boys and be like hey man like i got some problems in my life like can you help
1: it's crazy how powerful the question is hey man how are you and then just be quiet (laughs) you know like And then when they say good, like, no, no, no. Like, what No, Like, really, man, how's it going? Like, tell me about life, you know, or going into it. Because 18 to 25, like, I don't even want to put an age on it. I just know this demographic so well. People are really, really lonely. People are really, really hurting. People do not, and here's a great example. So the way that I started our ministry, the way that I started gaining traction in these fraternities is I started something called a real talk. Two rules to real talk. This is super complicated stuff here. One, you got to be real, meaning there's no fluff. You just be yourself. There's no judgment for what you say. And two, you got to talk. And so I would just bring in topics to the fraternity. We would sit down. I would force all the pledges to come into this room. And so uh, they would have to be there at least for a little while. And then they wanted to start coming to this because it was so radically different that we would actually think think about this for a minute. Like this took off at San Diego State a bunch of dudes getting in a room together and talking about deep, deeper issues about life, like purpose and faith and relationships and, you know, the pressures of college. And all, all I would do, man, is I would just bring in questions and I would just let guys start answering because there was two rules. You had to be real and you had to talk. And if you didn't, if you didn't follow those, then you had to leave. But most guys would of course follow those things because they, they, it was a felt need. They, they wanted to talk, you know, they, they needed an outlet not uh, to be able to express themselves. And so the power man of just asking good questions and listening and taking the time to do that. And the big part of that is exactly what you just said, Nicholas is you got to get past your own ego, you know, and because what i found in six years of being in ministry, I set the tone for the, for, for the vulnerability of the conversation, right? So if I come in and I'm all good and I have all my stuff together and I'm not willing to be real and honest about how I'm doing, I, I could never expect them to do that with me. And so I, I've got to always be checking my ego and just realize, like, I, don't ha- I, I need these guys in my life as well to speak into my life. I'm not the only one with the answers. So I think it's always checking your ego uh, and, just, and not being scared of the, the, the tough looking guys, man, because they always cry the hardest. So.
0: Amen. So I guess the follow-up <laughs> question to that real quick. Is, you know, when you're having these conversations with friends or family or whatever, it can often be you talk about ego. And it's one thing that um, Pat said was, you know, until someone's walked a mile in your shoes, they really you can't really relate in that sense. So, you know, someone can come to me about, you know, personal problems, relationship problems. But all the only advice I can give is what I have personally experienced. But that might not work for them or that might not be what they need. So, do you feel that, um, I mean, what do you do in that case? But also, do you feel that maybe more group dialogue is better? Because then there's multiple people working on a problem, not just one on one.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, uh, no, I think you're right on it. I think that's really wise to, to realize you don't have all the answers. But again, man, a lot of my job, like, and I would say just as, as, a, as a pastor or as a counselor, or as a friend, as a husband, this is really important, as you guys, but like, You don't always need to have all the answers, (laughs) right? Like the the point is not to have all the answers. The point is just to to be there and to listen. And then when they're ready, either provide the answer if you have it or point to someone who might, right? And I mean, as a Christian, like I don't, I definitely don't possess all the answers. Like I am as broken and as messed up and probably more sinful than anyone I meet with on a daily basis. So I, I definitely don't have the answer for them. I just point them to somebody who does. Right, namely God in my case, and so, but it, but at the very beginning, like I know we don't even do that. I'm just I'm just walking in, listening, hearing, trying to just kind of hear where they are. So that would be is that I don't I don't know if that's helpful, but I think what you said is that the group thing is um, being a part of a network like this or a group of buddies like this. Yeah, man, definitely, you're always more powerful in a community, you know, like. Our, our ministry would not be nearly as effective if it was just the ministry of Ellis Hammond, you know, like it, that would be so boring, you know, like I would be the only one that could provide help. No, we, what we do, we've created an environment at San Diego state. We've created a community of guys and girls that can come together and speak life into one another. That's way more powerful than one. I love that. I, I mean, even what you guys are doing right here, bringing, bringing me on, you know, or bringing other people on. I mean, that's so powerful because you realize, Hey, even though you guys are probably, you know, really smart and really driven and have a ton of answers for each other. You don't have it all. You need to bring other people in. So I want to talk about a little bit kind of getting into how I got into real estate. And it goes back to that solving problems. We started creating problems in our ministry, meaning we started growing. We needed more funding. There were just younger guys that we wanted to bring on to expand what what we were doing. The problem was, man, we needed more funding. We needed to figure out ways we could create wealth. The problem or the issue that I had was I had no idea how to do that. I was a business administration major in college, but they don't really teach you how to make money. <laughs> you know, like no one, no one really teaches you that in school. And so when I, when I got to a place in life that I had to figure out, well, how do I begin to, to make, to really build wealth and create income? You know, the only thing in college they really teach you is go get a job. Well, I had a job, which is the ministry of nonprofit that I work for, and it wasn't able to provide what I needed, you know? And so I had to actually go figure out, well, how do I actually go create? wealth. And so that's how we got into real estate. My wife and I purchased a duplex uh, early on, and that was really the diving board for uh, our journey into real estate. Uh, How how many of you guys kind of know what an FHA loan is? Kind of. So knowing what markets you guys are all in, you guys 100% should know what an FHA loan is, and you should be looking at how to get it in the next 12 months. Right, and then you should be looking to buy your first duplex, triplex, or fourplex in the next fifteen to sixteen months. Like, there's no reason you shouldn't be doing that because it doesn't cost that much to go buy a house in Virginia. I mean, seriously, like you could own a, you could own two to four units for ten to fifteen grand, and you could be owning a real estate that or a piece of real estate that is appreciating, and somebody else is paying off your mortgage, and you have zero dollars coming out of your pocket each month. And you have 10 or 15 K total into the project you can do that through an FHA loan you know there's better financing for first time home buyers and people who actually live into the like who live or move into the property so that's what my wife and I did we bought a duplex here in San Diego. we lived in one unit we rented out the other unit we flipped one of the units while we were living in it, and so we were able to kind of force appreciation and so within about eleven months we had created a we had bought it. Let's just, we've created over $100,000 in equity. And that was from the market appreciating in San Diego, which is wild. And then also some really what I call sweat equity. So there's no reason you guys can't be doing that. I'd be happy to talk more about that, but something you guys all should be able to do, uh, you could do while you're in college uh, or do it right out of college is start looking at investment properties. Uh, buy units, buy units, buy units. And so, but I just learned early on that, I wanted to be able to scale that and buying a duplex at a time was a lot of work. And remember going back to the thing, like so the bigger problems that you solve, the more successful you're going to be. Well, buying a duplex was like a, I was only really solving like a really small problem, which was just for me and my wife, how do we create income or how do we find a place to live for free? That was only solving a really small problem. And I realized there was a lot of people who wanted to be in real estate. There's a lot of people who want passive income. Like, you know, we were talking about that earlier, And so I just quickly realized, hey, there's a way to be able to scale this and it's through commercial real estate. And so my background is in fundraising and I'm gonna make this really short, but commercial real estate, the reason I like larger, when I say commercial, we're focused on buying apartment complexes now. So 50 units or more apartment complexes. What's cool about that is that you really put together a team to go buy apartment complexes and there's really two sides of the team. On one side of the team are your experts or your sponsors, which are the people who find the deal, who put the deal together, who figure out the funding, who qualify for the loan, you know, who manage the deal. Uh, and then on the other hand, essentially is the people with the money. And so if you can put the people with the money and the experts together, you can go take down larger assets. And that's essentially my business model is I help go find the money and I go find the experts and we bring those things together. That's called a syndication. And so I've taken my skills in fundraising and capital formation and relationships, which is my superpower. So that's why I asked you guys that because the more you begin to figure out what your superpower is and you begin to figure out what are the big problems that I'm facing on, or that I see other people facing on a day-to-day basis, and you can figure out how to combine those things, you're going to be really successful because you're really good at your superpower. It's what you do. And people are always looking for solutions to the problems. And by joining those things, man, you can, that's how you create success for yourself alongside of investing in real estate. Uh, So (laughs) questions on that?
2: Zach, go ahead. I just kind of, I was curious about that because I had actually gone to a um, uh, real estate workshop with my father last year and uh, the guy was actually talking about working towards more commercialization. I was wondering if you were doing that because of any sort of fear of like the market uh, for housing crashing again. And like, cause when that happens, of course people are going to get out of houses and go towards, Commercial properties, or is there some other reason
1: you were pushing towards yeah, that? One hundred percent. It's a great question. Yes, absolutely. You saw what happened. We all saw what happened in two thousand eight, two thousand nine. If you didn't, you can watch a movie about it now, right? To see what happened. Um, yeah. In order, in order to to build wealth, like you need to be able to do a couple things. You need to be able to protect it from from a downturn, or you need to be able to protect it from taxes. Like, right? Those are the two things that really cut. Into your into your wealth, it needs to be able to appreciate. Essentially, why you why you hold on to it, and you need to be able to take advantage of leverage, you know, and and get somebody else to pay it off as well is probably another thing. But that's what commercial real estate allows me to do. Is why I like it much more than single family. Because a duplex, for example, when we went to go refinance that property, the value was based on the comps in my neighborhood, right? So it would only sell for as much as the duplexes were selling across the street from me. I couldn't, even though it was making way more money than all the other duplexes on the street, it was only worth the value of the comparables in my neighborhood. Commercial real estate is a brand new ball game because as much like a business. The way that you increase the value of an apartment complex is based on the income or the net operating income. So the income after the expenses. So if you can increase the income of the property Depending on what they call a cap rate is you can significantly increase the value of that real estate, and it doesn't matter how well or how much the the apartment uh, you know across the street sold for. so that's one reason I really like commercial because it 's scalable, and then yeah, like to really protect yourself from a, a downturn from a recession, you want to be in, you know, be in something that can hold its value uh, through a downturn. Uh, and that when things get hard, you want to be in a place that people still need. So affordable housing is one of those things. So we look at apartment complexes that, uh, what I call a recession resistant that are going to have tenants in them regardless of what the economy is doing. So that's not every apartment complex, right? Like there are plenty of apartment complexes that, you know, mostly like luxury stuff that may take a hit when, when the downturn comes, it'll be really interesting to to see what happens in the next kind of kind of dip. But yes, because you think about it this, if you own a duplex and you have one person move out, what's your, what's your vacancy now? 50%. But if you have a hundred unit complex and three people move out, you're fine. You're only at at 97% vacancy. And so that's, you know, that's the scalability of an apartment is that you have more people paying you money, more things can happen and you'll be
0: okay. So question. So I'm actually in a group right now, me, Malcolm and Reed, Educating ourselves on the world of finances, investments, et cetera. And we're looking at purchasing our first property in January. With that being said, our ideal or a vision currently is potentially buying a few properties. We'll flip a property, gain the equity, flip the property, gain the equity, then invest that equity into, you know, as you're talking about, duplexes, et cetera, rental properties, parking spaces, because our university is actually putting in a new stadium right next to campus, right behind Greek Row. And so we have the senior bowl contract and like there's a lot of potential market there, but right now it's very underdeveloped around campus. with a lot of my opinion, undervaluated properties, right? So what's your thoughts on getting in first and gaining that equity through multiple purchases, gaining that experience on how to appraise properties, manage properties, because obviously there's that piece. Whenever you buy a duplex and you put tenants in there, that responsibility portion. So being able to, gain that experience prior to is better or in your opinion, or just like hands-on falls to the wall.
1: I don't think I understand the difference in what you're saying between the two, because what you are doing is hands-on.
0: Like that plane right there is very hands-on. So I guess my question is, is our vision right now is not to go towards rentals and more towards flipping houses. um, Right. That hands-on experience. Do you think that's a a good approach or what's your advice on that? Yeah, no, that's good.
1: As long as the goal is rentals, like here's the, here's the here, Here's the big difference in flipping and buying apartment complexes. If you're constantly flipping and I'm constantly buying apartment complexes, which one of us can go live in the, in New Zealand for a month and still make money? Not you, right? Because as soon as you stop flipping, your money starts, stops coming in. So I think it's a great strategy to be flipping houses as long as you're in the right market, as long as you understand, you know, as long as you understand the financing and that uh there's some uh either you you're confident you're going to be able to get out of this in a timely manner or if something does happen to the economy you can put a tenant in there and you're not forced to sell right away right like you want to make sure you have some insurance on on the back end of that property like if if I don't if I can't execute my business plan in 6 months what happens right like that's really important but I think it's a great strategy to begin to build equity to build cash so that you can start putting that into passive Vehicles like apartment complexes. Yeah, I mean, you know, you either got to go make the money, or you know, you got to go find the money. And so, if if you rather put your own money in there, that's great. I mean, the other thing, dude, is if you guys are really good at finding deals, um, or really good on the internet or whatever, like you can go find apartment complexes and get into apartment complexes that way. Uh, There are plenty of ways to partner with other sponsors or syndicators by just essentially becoming a, a good deal finder, boots on the ground deal finder. So there are a lot of ways to get into apartment buildings instead of just buying them with your own cash Uh, but I think your strategy is great sounds good but you guys got a team right here man you guys you know there's a lot of resources and resourcefulness on this phone call you got a numbers guy you got a a empathy guy you know you I mean a lot of hustlers here that you know problem solvers so I imagine y'all could figure something out if this if this I mean this would be a fun exercise like let's give each other three days to come up with a way to make twenty K. Like I figure I figure, I think we could probably figure it out. Like there's there's a there's a lot of good minds on this phone call right here. So
0: challenge <laughs> <Sounds> accepted.
1: <laughs> other other questions, guys. I mean I, I got some other things we could talk about, but I would just love to hear, I mean, kind of those you've heard my background, you've heard my story.
4: So you deal in primarily or exclusively um real estate investment? Mm-hmm. Just, okay. Cause I was gonna ask um, if there was anything else that you dealt with that was really my question that I had in mind immediately in regards to
1: what, what do you mean? Investment. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm personally, no, what, what my focus is is helping people diversify into real estate and passive income through real estate investing. I could give you some other things I'm studying about like infinite banking concept is something really interesting using life insurance policies to, to store wealth. And not using a traditional bank or mutual funds, for example, that's something I'm kind of learning and trying to implement to my own personal portfolio. But as far as building wealth, I am 100% in on real estate.
4: My other question is, it kind of doesn't relate to finance so much as your own personal experience and your work in, I don't know if this is the correct term, ministering, mm-hmm. ministry. Yeah. Um, I, I'm sure you've come, have you come across the term of religious pluralism? yes i was curious if you the group that you were associated with do you do any kind of activities in that regard with other religious groups or non-religious groups i guess i should say like um, community building i guess i'm not
1: sure if i understand your question completely because religious plural, pluralism can sometimes have a most often has a negative connotation but the end of your question actually sounded really positive So let me answer it, and maybe let's let's see if we're on the right page. Yes, I do. We do a lot of things with communities around San Diego State. We have a uh, an African American young man on staff with us, and he was heavily involved with the African Student Union here on campus. And so we do a ton of collaboration with them, really helping their leaders with I don't know all kind of different topics. You know, I mean, our niche is spiritual formation. You know, that's what we're really good at, and that's what we're able to provide the most value to. So. That's where we look to provide value at, and if they're looking for other resources, we can certainly do that. But, but also, man, we we feel that we're stewards of our campus, and so you know, a lot of our staff just provides counseling to a lot of students, and that ne- isn't necessarily religious or Christian counseling. It's just we're present on the campus, and so back last semester, they had I, I don't want to call an attack. But definitely some kind of malicious activities around the minority organizations here on campus. And so our ministry stepped in and did a lot to show support and help them on that. So uh, for sure, we definitely do a lot like that. Was that is that kind of in line with your question?
4: Yeah, I found it interesting that, um, because in my experience, at least, uh, religious pluralism is just like the notion of like coexistence of different Mm -hmm. ideologies. To me, have you heard of Ibu Patel before? He helped found the Interfaith Youth Corps, which is focused around the idea of religious pluralism. So I found, I found it interesting that you've, you've come across circles that view it negative connotations, though I could see how some groups might come to that. That answered my question, though. What was his name? I'll look him up. Eboo Patel.
3: So Nick, Reed, and I, we've been reading a book called The 5AM Club. And so I want to ask, you know, what is your morning routine? You know, what do you do that's to start? That's a great the day question, man. Yes. Do you get up at 5 a.m.? Uh, I'm, I'm slowly creeping there. It's kind of, I've been, I, I started at 7. I'm, you know, getting to like 545, 530 right now. Dude, that's, that's great. I stay up too late for, for, <laughs> for that Honestly. right now. Um, that's a great question. You should
1: always, I, I love that question. I ask everybody that same question. So interesting, though, when I got married, I didn't get out of bed till 8. A.M. Like I, I was not a morning person. My wife was up six A.M. You know, she had her quiet time, coffee, and I would crawl out of bed around eight. But and this is one of the next things I wanted to get into if we had time. Probably the biggest thing for me in, in really moving into this field and, and able to accomplish, and be successful, in this was was I had to have a mindset shift. Like my mindset really had to change, and part of that was my mornings and really seeing how valuable my mornings are and getting off yeah. to a good start. And really creating a foundation for my day, a positive mindset, really being you know in line with God and with myself, really making sure my values and my goals were in task. And so yeah, I'm up at five fifteen, and then I put on you know my my walking shoes, or no, I just actually go on my bedroom slippers, and I put in my headphones, and I take like a probably like a five minute. Because here's the thing: I never, not one time has it happened to me yet, have I woke up thinking, "Oh man, I'm so glad to get out of bed this morning." Like I am not. still not a morning person like this is at least a year you know so like mm-hmm. I, there's not one morning where i thought oh man five fifteen, this is great you know i'm so glad to be up like it is always the next thought is oh, should i just go back to bed this morning yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right so uh just know man it, it doesn't get easier but what does get easier is like i've subconsciously trained myself to tell myself long enough no stay up stay up stay up and so i brush my teeth is the first thing that i do uh, and then I put on, you know, some pants or whatever. I put on my headphones and I, I walk outside, and I just take like a really, a really quick stroll. And I, anybody, y'all fans of Eric Thomas? Do you know who that is? Thomas. Um, so Eric Thomas is like a motivational speaker. They call him the hip hop preacher. And he, I mean, he he gets after it, man. So he's got a song. It's like a it's like a sound bite, but they put a song behind it. It's called "I Grind." Uh, and so he's like, Monday I grind, Tuesday I grind. You know, he goes every day. So. It takes me like five minutes and I put that song. It's, the song's only like three or four minutes. And by the time I walk back down the street and walk back to my place and that song's playing, like I'm, you know what I mean? Like I'm like, let's go for yeah, the morning. Pumped up. <laughs> so I'm juiced by then. And uh, then I just come back and I read something inspiring, which is normally my Bible. I do my affirmations. So I write, I have two things I write down every morning. Uh, one, I say I'm a child of God. Uh, and I'm, you know, so this kind of secures me in my identity. I know who I am. I'm a child of God. And I'm designed for impact. Essentially, I kind of remind myself of my identity, and uh, really the power that I have because of because of my faith in Christ. And then I kind of go to my real estate goals. Is hey, this I'm an expert, and I'm just kind of affirming myself on again who I am, um, and my job is I'm an expert real estate formation specialist, and my goal and whatever my income goal is, I'm already kind of writing that so that I can just begin to tell myself, hey, this is the type of person I am. I am a real estate expert. I am a capital formation specialist, and I am uh, making this much money, or I have the goal to make this much money by the end of the year. And so I just kind of affirm myself in those things. And then by then I'm drinking a cup of coffee, if not two. Uh, if, I have a, if I have some thank you letters to write, like I always have a stack of thank you cards on my desk, if I want to write to somebody would be normally the time that I would do that. That's been a great routine I've picked up. And then what I've been doing, the reason I started getting up an hour earlier because I used to get up at six, but I get up at 5.15 now is I watch about 45 minutes to an hour of uh, Billie Jean marketing course, which is a social media marketing. And for me, that's like business development. That's an area that I really want to grow in order to take my business to the next level. So I've added that to my routine just because that's something I want to learn about and don't have time throughout the rest of my day to be able to do that. So I'm getting up early just to study something that I wouldn't get to study throughout the day. So, you know, I'm just committed to developing myself. And so that's the only time to be able to do it is early in the morning. So
3: yeah. that's my routine. No, that's, that's awesome. And, um, and kind of you, you had mentioned making a, a shift in your mindset. And so you're talking about your, your spirituality. You know, you know what, are, what are some of the things that you do that have, that have helped you kind of, you know, either in the changing of that mindset or you know, however yeah. you want to describe it?
1: Honestly, man, like if if you change your thinking, you'll change your life. Like I really believe that.
3: Yeah, um, if, absolutely. If you,
1: change, if you change your thinking, you'll, you'll change your life. I mean, Eric, I get that from Eric Thomas. That's not original quote from Ellis Hamney, even though I wish it was. I, I just think I'm such a strong believer in that because what I had to do, again, I had zero idea how to go build wealth, right? I did not know, and so I had to go put myself around people who could teach me. And early on, dude, that was really uncomfortable for me because I was listening to people talk about money in a way that And I should say this. One of the reasons I think I went into ministry and into the nonprofit sector is because I really didn't want to go make money. My parents got divorced at 10. And for the next eight to nine years, I just watched money really, really, really have a, uh, just kind of drive a wedge between my parents and their relationship, get farther farther and farther. I saw what money did to my dad. He just, you know, he retired at 40 and was never happy until he died at 55. And so I just was like, I don't really want to make money. Like I, clearly, it's not going to bring me any any more happiness. And so, but then I got to a place where I needed money. Right? It was like, oh crap, we actually do need to create wealth. So I had to go put myself around people, or uh, start reading books, or listening to podcasts. And so it was, honestly, it was really uncomfortable, but it was really challenging. It, it really helped me change my mindset on some things because I had been believing something for so long about money is bad, money is bad, money is bad. So now I'll start thinking, no, money is good and it actually gives you power to be able to create impact for other people. That was what I had to retrain myself to do. So dude, it was just listening to people, new people, reading books, listening to podcasts until I could just retrain my mind in a sense to do that. And then writing, you know, writing those affirmations, even just kind of like for me, like that was kind of in the, in the Christian world that I'm a part of to do anything like writing down affirmations or like, that's almost too spiritual for my, my mm-hmm. world of Christianity. So like, I don't, don't tell anybody I do that. Cause they probably think I'm really weird, but that I like that, that's been really helpful for me to learn what is an affirmation and what is a visualization and actually begin to do that. That that's been something really powerful. I, I would say those are probably the two biggest things, man kind of changing my environment, the people that I listen to, the things that I take in, and then that morning routine and really setting myself up for the day has been huge. You know, depending on who you're listening to or kind of what you're wanting to grow in, I'd be more than happy to give you guys some folks that I listen to that's helped me. I'll go ahead and give them to you. How about Eric Thomas is definitely that one guy. Ed Mylett is another guy. Okay. Uh, uh, Joe Fairless, uh, Hunter Thompson. Those are those last two guys are real estate guys, Joe Thompson, Joe Fairless hunter thompson ed my is the is kind of the personal development guy I'll give you this guy's name too john maxwell he's a leadership coach so th- those are some guys that are really really good what else did i write down just to kind of share that was that was the other big thing i wanted to talk about was just mindset uh yeah man I, I had a dream and i started implementing kind of daily habits towards that dream i wanted to figure out how to create wealth and i did whatever it took to to figure out how to do that. I think habits are way more important than goals. I think I'm learning that. If you create daily habits towards success, you're going to crush everybody else who has goals of success.
4: Do you have any kind of particular like news source or publication that you generally review to stay up to date on the real estate market?
1: Yes. Most of that comes from attending conferences for me or listening to podcasts. I listen to a lot of podcasts at Hunter Thompson podcast is very educational. Uh, he interviews all types of different guys. His podcast is called cashflow connections and he'll, he has a lot of interesting guys come on. So that would be a great resource for you. You know, but like a lot of these big brokerages post will create uh, like Marcus Millichap does an annual and quarterly report. You can read about CBRE post something like that. Uh, but most of the information for me comes from podcasts because, you know, a lot of these guys I follow or I'm connected with, they'll be, they're able to bring on these these gurus who have studied the market for decades. And for me, I'd I'm, I'm much, much rather listen than than sit down and read. So that's why I like the podcast thing. But there are tons of reports for something like that. Yeah.
0: So to kind of piggyback off that question uh, and kind of steering towards a different type of equity, uh, what's your thoughts on social equity I mean, it's something you talked about previously with, you know, creating a team to be able to go into bigger ventures, whether it be commercial real estate. I know I follow your LinkedIn account and you do one heck of a job reaching out to your community. So what's your thoughts on engaging with people that you know currently building up those relationships and that rapport, but also reaching out to people that you may not have that rapport with just yet, but look forward to.
1: Yeah, that's a great question, man. Um, yeah, I mean, I've literally... Uh, I mean, my my business doesn't thrive right unless I'm able to generate new leads and new contacts, and so I've, I've I've hopefully given you a lot of gold nuggets, but here's another one that I've learned: start building your network before you need it. I mean, it's as simple as that. And I'll give you guys a great free resource that I'll actually can send you a link to and get signed up. One of my buddy, Adam Carswell, he is providing a free LinkedIn training for college students coming up in I don't know, next week or something like that. So I'll, I'll send you guys that link. I would highly recommend taking that course. I think it's free. It's like one day, a couple hours, and he'll just he, – he's a – you can follow him. His name's Adam Adam Carswell. He also, interesting enough, has a podcast called Dream Chasers. He spells it like D-R-E-A-M. But his podcast is also called Dream Chasers. He'd be a great guy to get on here and just talk about LinkedIn, or you could do a private thing with him if you're looking to do this again. that he'd be a great guy. I'd love to recommend. He'd, he'd, he'd crush it.
0: Yeah, most definitely. I'll definitely hit him up on LinkedIn and see if he'd be interested.
1: Yeah, but check out that LinkedIn course that he's doing for guys, uh, for young guys. Uh, that's, a, that's a great resource. So, LinkedIn is a great tool. You know, the, the nice thing about where you guys are right now like you don't need anything. And so like when you reach out to me, like it was such a, a kind of a, a breath of fresh air because you, you didn't need anything. you were just looking for advice and everyone is willing to give their advice. You know what I mean? Like people like hearing themselves talk I and mean, it's why we've been on the phone for an hour, you know, because here I am just talking. And so um, most people are willing to do that, especially successful people because they nobody got successful on their own you know like everybody had somebody who gave them something and so probably one of the best tips i've been given by my coaches if you ask for money you'll get advice but if you ask for advice you'll get money and so you know one of the best ways to just kind of start building your network is find successful people and ask them for advice and so even this morning like adam same guy introduced me to this guy named mc lobster He's a podcast host, uh, host of the show Cashflow Ninja. He's got a huge network. I mean, the guy's really successful. He's got a really huge following, over 3,000 subscribers on his YouTube channel. And I was just like, hey, man, I'm starting this podcast up in a couple of weeks, looking to get some guests like yourself. I kind of gave him the idea. And uh, I, was, I was just asking for his advice on the show. I was like, hey, I was like, man, I'd love to have you on there if you'd be willing. But what I really want to do is kind of get your advice. You know, give me some. He's like, and first thing, he's like, dude, i love to be on your show. And here's my advice.
0: I love that. And that's one thing I've been doing since I've been out here in Vegas. I've actually had the privilege of meeting with a member of the Golden Knights executive team. And this week, we also have a meeting with the Raiders executive team. So I, don't know, I think it's very interesting. I, I definitely agree with one thing you said. Uh, with, with a lot of things, almost yeah, everything. Only
1: one thing that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: But one thing you talked about is... Gain that network, and I've often found that when you come and approach people, especially successful people, with the um, less of a transactional request, but more of a like, "Hey, like, I admire you. Now, I don't want anything from you, but for you to tell me how you did it." And um, you know, it's one thing they say about in the Bible: you know, if you give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day; you teach a man a fish, he eat for a lifetime. And I've been able and been privileged to be able to build that network. So that's why we have people like you come on and talk with our members because. It's kind of like a TED Talk where we can actually Q&A, engage uh, with the speaker, which to me is so much more beneficial than listening to a podcast because when we're doing this thing, it's like, you know, the sky's the limit when it comes to the conversation. Yeah.
1: And I mean, even like the, the, the powerful thing about this, man, like you bringing me on is, hey, I've, I just introduced you to somebody else who I think is going to really add value to, to your life and really be able to Adam is a master connector, right? So, like, you will bring Adam on. And you guys tell him what you're doing and he'll like be able to connect you to like two or three people individually. You know I mean? He's just so good at that. And so the, the most powerful thing about doing stuff like this is like now you have access to my network. So whenever you need, just reach out to me, I'll introduce you to somebody, you know? And so the same thing, the more people you kind of bring on and, and again, they feel, they feel privileged because you ask them for advice and then you go actually take them up on that advice. Then you get access to their networks. I mean, that's why, man, I pay to get around some of these big guys. Like Hunter Thompson, the guy on that podcast, I pay to be part of his mentorship program. Why? Because I want to be part of his network. You know, like, uh, I mean, I was just on a podcast the other day because he introduced me to somebody, and I had three phone calls of investors. Hey, can I invest in your next deal? I heard you on that podcast. It was awesome. That was worth the price of admission right there.
0: Most definitely. And so I guess my question is, we talk about, you know, obviously there's different types of equity, you know, social equity, personal equity, financial equity. so. With that being said, which one do you think holds more weight, financial or social? I mean, obviously they they're on their own caliber, but I think that uh, the the one quote you said that you know if you ask a man for money, he'll give advice, and you ask him for advice, he'll give money. I think that I believe in the quote personally that if you're surrounded by good people, you never be broke a day in your life. So, what's your thoughts on um, either or? It's
1: a great question. I've been poor for the last six years. And the reason I've been able to be poor is because I know people with money, put it that way. And so, but, but I I had something that they didn't have. I had a dream and a vision to impact young people's lives. And so they were willing to be a part of that. Right. And so that was able how I was able to feed myself and my family. And so I do, I definitely think your network, your social equity or whatever you want to call it, it is for sure. The thing that I would be investing in the most right now as a, as a young person and those, you know, people with that, you know, now that you, and when you get that network, asking them how they got there that would be stupid to know all these people and not know how they <laughs> how they actually got their wealth but for sure man I mean there's no question about it your your network is your net worth there's no there's definitely no question about that
0: I love that and so to kind of summarize we have um, a question that we ask all our guests and Pat actually wanted me to ask it right before he left he had to drop his run off at the airport so he apologized for missing out Obviously, our podcast and our whole concept of Dream Chasers is identifying that our adversity and our challenges in life create our success. And with that being said, obviously, you know, you just touched upon a little more personal uh, route of the things you've been doing with your life. So what are some things, you know, that really led you to the point where you are today? Why did you travel to California? What made you want to get into real estate? What made you want to get financially free and actually build a legacy, not just for yourself, but for your family and have that sense of security? there had to be something. And, uh, with that being said that, you know, that open dialogue allows us to understand you better, but also allows our audience to understand that, Hey, everything's going to be okay. Put your nose in a brimstone, get it done.
1: Sure. For me, man, like I've always just wanted to be a part of something bigger than myself. That's where my faith has played a huge part in that. I know that I'm not the central part of the story. I do believe that God allows us to be a significant part. Like we have significance, but we're never central. I think that's probably the one truth that can change anybody's life is that a lot of our problems are are revolved around because we think we're the centerpiece <laughs> and you're not, but you are incredibly significant. And I think that's something that people maybe go too far. You know, they have this religious experience and they don't see themselves as of much value at all, but you're incredibly valuable and you have incredible significance in this life. And so that's the starting point for me, realizing that in college, I actually didn't become a Christian until I was 19. Uh, so that part of my story was huge just just beginning to realize there's a bigger purpose to live for than just yourself than just money and, and we're most happy actually when we're living a life of impact like that's a spiritual truth that's a psychological truth that's actually a proven truth now by science where you know there's more happiness found in service to others it's just kind of crazy how God designed our brains but yeah man I, I mean you know in, in kind of going into ministry because I talked about my family, and then having to get to a point in life, in the ministry where I realized I'm seeing a problem. Like we do not have the funding. I do not want to live my life not knowing how to go get it, right? And how to go build it. And so having a growth mindset and a dream and a vision and a will to say, I'm gonna go figure this out at all cost, you know. And that's essentially kind of the path that I've been on, which has led me to really where I am now. Still on that path. Definitely have not accomplished what I've set out to accomplish by any means. Not that I even know all the answers yet, but I am definitely a lot farther than uh, where I was. And um, so I got started. I took action, you know, uh, and and that that's I'm so thankful for that. And the, and, and God's given me my health and my my mind and a beautiful wife to support me and friends. And so we're really thankful for all that.
0: I love it. And so we appreciate you coming on Ellis. Honestly, I reached out to people that I believe are dream chasers by definition, but also by practice. And you know, it's not just a brand to us. It's not just something you put on a t-shirt. It's actually a lifestyle. And I lived it for three years before I had the courage to reach out and invite other people on. But then also I did it for a year before I actually had the courage to reach out and invite people like you on. So I appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, We definitely look forward to following your journey. I'll make sure to give everyone your contact information. And uh, if there's anything else that you have uh, questions for us, shoot. Man, no, seriously, you guys
1: anything. I'm on LinkedIn. That's probably the best way to, to contact me. My website is ellishammon.com. You can find
0: some more real estate information there. Heck yeah. I love it, man. Well, safe travels. I'll see you around. Keep it up and Godspeed. Enjoyed it, guys. Appreciate you.